as we were standing around there were a lot of questions and how did I get into this and it is a frequently asked question so what I thought and this happens everywhere so this is not exception so I'll start with a short list of the frequently asked questions and I also want to set the right tone which is I want to give create a framework for you guys to ask questions and uh, that is the best time you know the samvad that is that is how we learn more bhagavad gita also talks about pariprashnena sevaya upadekshan dite jnanam jnanina sattva darshina so there is that method uh, is considered effective method so first question how did you get into this subject of dating of ancient narratives mahabharata ramayana and people ask that because again many times your background you know everyone has a background we get into a regular job we get busy into it and how did this happen i'll tell you how it happened but that's not a very exciting story a student of professor john wheeler now i don't know how many of you have heard this name he was a well known great professor of theoretical physics at princeton university some of you might have heard richard feynman if not john wheeler he was a john wheeler was a professor to richard feynman for his phd thesis someone asked him what is the secret to have a exciting fulfilling life when you are on your deathbed and you want to say you know what i had a good run i had a exciting run the rapture of living and professor john wheeler responded he said find the strangest thing in any discipline find the toughest problem in any field of your choice and go solve it now you may be successful in solving it you may not be successful either way you will have a fulfilling life you will end up answering many other questions that you haven't even thought of naturally then the people ask how did you select a field of our choice well bhagavad gita talks of shreyan sodharma viguna i mean you can read that too but answer is very simple something that excites you and something where you feel that your abilities are up to par with that subject with that area so yes you found a field now you found the strangest thing you found the toughest problem what do you do next anyone go solve it right how do you solve the problem i'm going to give you a couple of answers one is a circular answer but i tell you it is a true answer if you want to solve a problem first you want to understand what truly the problem is and sometimes that is a big problem now if you want to truly understand a problem now listen to my answer because it is circular the best way to understand what truly the problem is is to try solving it think of thomas edison's you know trying multiple things you try one way and it doesn't work at least now you know it doesn't work so maybe that's not the intended solution and do we truly understand the problem which means do we truly understand the right questions and so as we as i set the stage for that question answer session i would encourage all of you to ask questions please keep in mind to make the best use of our time it will be great if 
you formulate your question, even write it down if you prefer. But you know, the question starts with when, why, where, how, etc. Typically one sentence, maybe a couple of sentences. If this is the case, what do you think or what, what, is, what would be the situation? Okay? Now of course people ask why bother dating Mahabharata and Ramayana? Okay? I'm going to give you three key points there. The, the subject of history, not just from a Mahabharata or Ramayana, but just as a, a read, reader of the subject. I have read for 20 plus years. And this is the, defin this is the judgment I formulated in the last 10 years or so, which is enormous evidence exists when it comes to Indian history. Now, I am sure number of you would have heard this. Number of you might think that this is true that when it comes to Indian history, we don't have enough evidence. Let me tell you, there is a tons of evidence. A lot of evidence that people even don't know it exists. I don't know it exists. And we don't know what to do with it, how to interpret and so on. On the other hand, if you look at Western civilizations, and I'll start with Rome, Rome, Greece, and so on, because Western Europe looked at Western civilization as maybe the seeds into the Greek, Greek civilization, Roman civilization. Close to zero evidence close to zero evidence and fantastic history writing. I also, I'm also convinced that British did a very successful thing in deracinating generations of Indians, at least three generations of Indians. And I, fortunately I had a chance to go around the world many times, many different places. I make very local connections with them. And I haven't seen a place, now of course my biases towards India, me being an Indian, but I haven't even seen a place where people have so much inferiority complex. And I'm convinced that it has to do with that deracination. Other people will talk about their epics, talk about their history with great pride. They will know the details. But here almost it's a fashion not to talk about it. Otherwise you might be considered backward or something like this. Quickly, after the talk you might ask these questions. So I'll quickly give a high level answer. How, how does our scientific knowledge grow? I mean, that we will talk as a part of the talk here. And uh, so corroboration is, or the validation is how we solve these problems and the falsification removes the status quo. Now that's complicated. I'll tell you in a simple way how science progresses. Science doesn't progress as much by insisting or by proving that this is how it is. This is the answer. That's not how it progresses. But it definitely progresses by proving or disproving existing understanding or existing explanation. So it makes progress by saying definitely this is not true. So that's the falsification word. Definitely by falsifying something else. And what is my program for this uh, India visit? Well, I was invited for two conferences and that's how this whole thing started and that's how we all are here. So thank you for coming. What other things are you working on? And uh, the simple answer I'll give you, too many to list. Okay. All right. I want to share with you an example, something very simple from everyday life. What constitutes a falsifying evidence? What constitutes a revolutionary scientific evidence? This is not scientific, but I want to make you familiar with it. So three personalities, do you recognize them? Yeah, the first one Lokmanya Tirak, the middle one is Swatantrevir Savarkar, the last one is Mahatma Gandhi. I am going to quiz you now. True or false?
The question is, if someone tells you, Lokmanya Tirak, Swatantrivit Savarkar and Mahatma Gandhi met in Pune in 1923 to discuss the state of British rule in India. True or false? Okay, just raise your hand. How many of you think this is true? Raise your hands. Nice and clear there, please. I can count them. Okay, very good. That's 6.35%. How about the others? We are not aware of it. Okay, and just now I talked about the deracination. Okay. Okay, it's a minor thing, right? But it's one of our big leader. How many of you? Anyone knows the answer? I mean, I'll give the answer. Anyone knows the explanation? Uh, Lokmanya Tilak had passed away before 1923, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. It's a Okay. We know, I'm um, again. To his point, we should not supposed to know every nitty-gritty detail, I understand that, but that's, that was precisely the point, okay. Lokman passed away in 1920. So now that I provided you the evidence, what do you think, true or false? False. False. Is everyone sure? Yes. Okay, and why is that? Okay. It doesn't matter whether it says 1923, 1924, 25, 26, 31, 35, doesn't matter. The answer is false. That's the kind of decisive evidence we talk about. And we are going to talk today two specific examples of such kind of decisive evidence, one from Mahabharat, one from Ramayana. Okay, so it will not tell you exactly when they might have come together and discussed. Well, they may not have come together and discussed. But what it will tell you, or what I want to convince you, based on those two evidences, that Mahabharat war did not happen any time, even a day late, than 4500 BC, in last 6500 years ago. So I'm just giving you the whole climatic thing there, okay? I also want to convince you that when it comes to Ramayana, I want to show you the evidence that Ramayana did not happen even a day late then 10,000 BC essentially did not happen in last 12,000 years, okay? This is the logic of scientific discovery, okay? There are three corners to it. So just the example that we went through, Lokmanya Chirak and Swatantrivir Savarkar and Mahatma Gandhi, prediction. So that was, the, that was the statement, right? That was the claim that three made in 1923. That was the prediction, okay? True or false? And the explanation that, of course, uh, we know, true or false, but how did we get to it, is through testing. And we used the single directional arrow of time. We said 1923 came after 1920. It sounds very funny, right? But pay attention to this, because that's the logic. This is the logic of scientific discovery. That's the logic we are going to use when we get to Mahabharat and Ramayana evidence. Everyone clear on this triangle? We will be revisiting this triangle. The triangle that I just described, Professor C.K. Raju, number of you who might have heard, if not, I will encourage you to read, uh, to go to YouTube and listen to his videos. He has a book which says, scientific, scientific knowledge or basis of science, is that Western in origin? It's a book worth reading. What I want to start with is the triangle that I just described. All the great people are talking the same thing. Bhagwan Patanjali Yoga Sutra, you might have heard Patanjali Yoga Sutra, 
फर्स्ट चैप्टर समाधिपाद एंड वर्स सेवन प्रत्यक्ष अनुमान आगमा प्रमाणानी प्रत्यक्ष दैट इज इम्पेरिकल प्रूफ टेस्टिंग अनुमाना दैट इज द प्रडिक्शन और इन्फरेंस आगमा इज द बैकग्राउंड नॉलेज एंड प्रमाणानी इज द एक्सप्लेनेशन और डिस्क्रिप्शन वी जस्ट वेंट थ्रू द ट्रैंगल एंड इफ यू था इफ यू थॉट आई जस्ट टूक दैट एग्जाम्पल ऑफ चिड़क एंड सम हाउ मेड इट अप लेट्स गो थ्रू सर कार्ल पॉपर हु इज वेरी फेमस नोन फॉर द फिलोसफी ऑफ साइंस आई वुल अगेन एनकरेज यू टू रीड द बुक्स द लॉजिक ऑफ साइंटिफिक डिस्कवरी कंजेक्चर्स एंड रेपिटेशन एंड सो ऑन ही सेज यू स्टार्ट विद द प्रॉब्लम आई गिव यू कपल ऑफ एग्जाम्पल्स ऑफ इट हाउ मेनी ऑफ यू हैव दिस एक्सपीरियंस that you lifted a bucket of water and when you lift it you are surprised because you thought it was filled with it but it wasn't how many of you have that this experience if you have raise your hand okay those of you who don't have this experience i'll give you a second example let's say you walk you're walking down the stairs and suddenly you stumble and maybe sprain your leg and you're surprised and you look back and says what happened here and what was happening again you were expecting a step there and it wasn't there in both cases what i'm saying is consciously or not we always have these theories expectations in the back of our mind and when those expectations are startled you know we get the problem is it what happened here who removed the step or oh i thought the bucket was busy heavy so we start with the problem that's what karl popper says and then we propose a theory that is the explanation to solve that problem and then we work at error elimination how do we do that we look at the computations of the theory and then we look at the evidence and see if it matches okay and then we end up with bigger problems when i'm done you will start asking questions such as well but if this is true 4500 bc and so on what about this it leads to bigger problems of higher complexity and in fact a test of a revolutionary theory is that it doesn't solve all the problems it creates more of higher complexity that's what happened in science everywhere richard feynman i just mentioned his name he says all science problems you start with a guess you have a problem you try to come up with explanation next you compare the you compute the consequences the predictions again see the words explanation prediction and then next and you compare the consequences with the actual observations experiments nature simulations and you reach the conclusion okay this is one type of issue one problem now what do you do if there are many researchers claiming to have a an answer to the same problem okay you need to ask three questions and this is not about mahabharat ramayana it, it appears everywhere you need to ask three questions any time you see a claim somebody is saying something the first question is you can ask that person what is your siddhanta what is your theory i will tell you my theory there are more than 800 astronomy references together between ramayana and mahabharata and my theory simply says all these astronomy references from these two epics are actual factual visual observations of the sky of that time clear what i'm saying okay simple one sentence then you need to ask two questions again 
for some of you very straightforward. You must ask, is this researcher taking into account all the evidence or just randomly or selectively looking at few which happens to fit his or her theory or date. Okay. And the last question you need to ask is, is this evidence testable? Objectively testable. If I gave you the recipe, you know, for a certain uh, food dish, you know, you should able to follow that and able to get more or less the same outcome. Can we do the same thing? If I, if I claim something, can you, every one of you, with little understanding of astronomy, able to repeat what I did and reach the same conclusion? Then it's objectively testable. Okay? Next. Next. So what I'm going to do now is uh, take those two axes, evidence and testability. Yeah, you can go until that uh, thing is full with all four quadrants filled. Stop. So what I did, I looked at evidence with the two extremes as either arbitrary or selective evidence. And at the top is all the relevant evidence. And the horizontal axis, I took it as objective, objectively testable. On one side, if the answer is yes, it means it's scientific. And we were talking outside what is scientific and what is not. If it's objectively testable to that extent, it is scientific. Now, the other side is metaphysical. And that's where a lot of confusion happens. Metaphysical does not mean it is false. It is not true. It does not mean that. It simply means we don't have enough evidence. We cannot talk about it one way or the other. That's all it says. Now, I can go on on just this slide for four days. So I'll just do two minutes, which is think of the horizontal line. Below that is bad. Above that is good. If you look at the horizontal vertical axis, to the east of it, I mean to the right of it, it means it's objectively testable. The other side, it is not objectively testable. Look at the bottom corner, skepticism. Skepticism is good. It's essential ingredient for science. But what is not good is you just ask question to someone else. You should feel passionate about the question yourself that you start searching. And that was my journey with the two observations that I'm going to share with you. Next. We look at Mahabharata claims. Do you know how many claims are there about Mahabharata? Time of Mahabharata. When did the Mahabharata war happen? Anyone? Any guess? Or 75 or 75? Okay. There are more than 130 different claims by those many different researchers for the timing of Mahabharata war. And if I have to split them into this framework, next, 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 they fall like this. For Ramayana, they fall like this. Again, just a quick one note on the bottom right-hand quadrant, superficial and manipulative. The manipulative because it appears scientific, because whatever little evidence they are testing, they are testing it, and that is true. Suppose Mahabharata says, now please listen to me, I am not saying Mahabharata says that. Suppose Mahabharata says, it, the war started on Monday, and some researcher claimed a certain date, and his first day also happens to be Monday. What does that tell you? Does that mean his date is correct? No. Monday is a necessary condition, but not a sufficient condition. Okay. So that's the nature of that bottom quadrant. Next. Again, I'm going to talk of astronomy evidence. I want to quickly mention that if you want to find out the timing of Mahabharata Ramayana, it's not important that you just only stick to astronomy. No. You can take a geology route. You can take archaeology route. Any of these and many more. These are just examples. Next. 
All right, we are going to get into our first example, first observation from Mahabharata. Just give you a background. All of Mahabharata has close to 200 astronomy observations. And I have, in my book, I have listed each one of them. So there are 215 and I put down plus because I bet there are many more that I might have missed. So that's your opportunity, you know. Yeah. They can be split into these two categories. On the right, I call them near-earth phenomenon. What does that mean? Just like we said Monday, you know, if it's a Monday, something happened on Monday, again, the Monday will repeat after seven days. If you look at the certain phase of the moon, it will repeat after a month. Certain position of the sun, like 21st of December now, in, in 10 days, it will repeat after a year, right? So those are repetitive phenomena. In fact, astronomy, everything is repetitive. Well, not quite, and we'll see that. The other side, that's also somewhat repetitive phenomenon, but it has a longer time span. We are talking thousands of years. The phenomenon is known as the precession of equinoxes, and I'll briefly describe it. And the whole cycle of the precession of equinoxes takes 26,000 years. 26,000 years. And by luck, it helps us in determining the timing of our ancient events. So from that other side, that long cycle of 26,000 years, I'm going to take one observation. That is one out of 215 total observations. What is it? Number of you may know that Krishna tried to create the peace. See if he can avoid the war. Yeah. Did he succeed? No. So finally the war is due. It's, it's a day before the war. And Vyasadeva, he says, let me make a final attempt and see if I can succeed. So he approaches Dhritarashtra and tries to tell him all the negatives about the war and so on. And while he's having communication, he makes a list of many other things, you know, scary things. And part of that list, he mentions many astronomy observations. He mentions many others. And one of the astronomy observations we are going to discuss today is this. It comes in Bhishma Parva Adhyay 2, verse 31. Next. You can read it and you can tell me the meaning of it. Someone asked me about my Sanskrit knowledge and so on. So everyone can read it, I'm sure. Yachaisha Vishuddha Rajas Trailokya Sadhu Sammata Arundati Tayapesha Vasishta Prashtuta Krutha. Next. I'll give you a quick translation, so no worries there. That respected Arundhati has gone ahead of Vasishta, is walking ahead of Vasishta. And we are talking astronomy, stars, and so on. How many of you are familiar with Saptarshi in the sky? How many of you can point them out if you go at night and assuming they are in the sky? Okay, very good, number of you. So if it's a panhandle or it's a kite and a tail, right? So think of the square there, okay, not square, the rectangle, that's the pan, and then there is a handle or a tail. There are three stars into that tail, and the middle star is Vasishta in Indian astronomy, Mizar in Western astronomy. Next to that Vasishta is a small star, it's called Arundhati in Indian astronomy, in Western astronomy, it's Alcor. And if you go tonight, you will have to wake up very early. And sky has to be, of course, clear, so it's not in Delhi, I guess. Around 4 o'clock, you'll see them this time of the year. 
it's right up there and if you have a, even an ordinary binocular you could able to see it very nicely that and you can see with the naked eyes if you have a good eyesight vasishta will appear walking ahead of arundhati that's the scenario today that's the scenario that was the scenario 1000 years ago 2000 years ago 3000 years ago 4000 years ago 5000 years ago 6000 years ago vasishta was walking ahead of arundhati vas is saying arundhati is walking ahead of vasishta now what's the big deal of this observation well, I just told you, even if you go back 6,000 years, still Vasishta is walking ahead of Arundhati. So what does that tell you? If this statement of Vyasa is true, Mahabharata did not happen for last 6,000 years. Okay. Now, you would imagine all these 130 plus researchers would do something about it, right? It exists. Only four people mention it out of 130. Who are those four? Bharatacharya C.V. Vaidya. Lokmanya Triya gave him the title for his great work on Mahabharata, great study. He says this is something impossible in astronomy. Someone might have introduced it afterwards. And that happens in our literature. Second person, Bharat Ratna and Mahamahopadhyay Panduranga Vamankani. And he said this is something that is impossible in the very order of nature, astronomically speaking. So he also said someone might have inserted. In our times, Professor Arena Nayangar, those of you who may know the name, he recently retired from Indian Institute of Science, Bangalore. He has done a lot of good work in this area. But I'll tell you, and you'll, you'll relate to that word anyways, is that he tried to do some jugad, trying to explain this observation. You know what he did? He took this last line, Arundhati Taya Pesha Vasishta Prashtata Krutha, and tried to combine with another line from another Adhyay of Mahabharata. It is actually referring to planet Mars, nothing to do with these stars. He tried to see if some jugad can happen and didn't go anywhere. The fourth one is Dr. P.V. Vartha. He's a medical doctor, now 83 year old, uh, based in Pune. And he always was convinced that this is a factual observation and tried to test it in three different ways over many years and failed. Okay? Now someone might say, come on. Mahabharata is so big that someone may just miss that observation. But that story doesn't sell. The reason is there are four specific observations in this chapter. Everyone mentions the remaining three, but not this one. And now you know why. Because if you go back, unless 6,000, at least for last 6,000 years, you cannot explain it. So I'm going to quickly explain the precision of equinoxes, what that phenomenon is, and then we get back to this observation. Okay, next. All right, it's year 2016. Now, if you at night looking at the north direction, go next and next, you will identify the pole star. How many of you can identify a pole star in, in principle? Okay, a lot of you, very good. So you'll notice that pole star. And what you'll notice is if you sit there in a nice comfortable chair for a long time, you will find all the stars rotate around that pole star, right? And how do they rotate? In an anti-clockwise direction. Okay. Next. Now this one, we'll go back one more. This star, I mean, it's a track of one star. And I will say this star is walking ahead of the next, please, that star. Do you agree? Because every the, the stars are going in anti-clockwise direction. Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Good. Next. Now what happens is this. We call it a pole star. And we think it's steady, Dhruva Tara, you know, he said Dhruva means fixed. 
well it is fixed but it is fixed for say maybe thousand years or two thousand years it is not fixed forever there's another astronomic phenomenon where earth's axis where it points to in the sky if there is a star we call it a dhruvatara huh? polaris in this case but it has its own motion it's a very slow motion like a top you know that you play with okay and that's what we call the precision 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 of the axis it's very slow and it completes one circle in 26,000 years. Next. Next. So we'll start here. Earth's axis at an angle pointing towards the sky. Next. NCP, a star next to it. In our times, it's Polaris. Next. But I said it goes and makes a circle. It processes around and it takes 26,000 years. Next, next, next. Okay. So let me ask you a question. When would our Earth's axis would point to that other star, Brahma Rashi or Abhijit. 13,000 years. Either we go backwards 13,000 years or go forward 13,000 years. Yeah, got it? So let's do that. Next, so we'll go back to 11,000 BC. Everyone understands? Plus 2,000, that's 13,000 approximately. Do this. Everything will be same except now, next, next, next. Earth's axis will be pointing towards Brahma Rashi or Abhijit. What does that mean? 13,000 years ago, Brahma Rashi or Abhijit was our pole star, not Polaris. Okay? Next. This is the circle. That's how you will see. If you go backwards, you will see different years and different stars, bright stars. They would be considered pole stars. Okay? Next. Next. Now what I'm doing is I'm taking the same circle, placing the positions of those same stars. And now I want to place their relative positions of Arundhati and Vasishta. Next, next. Okay. Do you see? That's how they are. Just for demonstration, they are exaggerated and shown as wider. Okay. Now, everyone understands? If Polaris is my pole star, they are going to go around Polaris in an anticlockwise direction. Okay. I'm going to draw a line that goes through Vasishta and Arundhati and crosses that circle of precision twice. Pay attention. That's that line has split that circle into three categories. Okay. Next. Next. Point A, point B. Next. And our current point C. And I'm also going to mark down the point X. Next, next. So 56, 55, 61 BCE. And that is my proposed date for the time in the year of Mahabharata War. Now, I have not proposed it myself. Dr. P. V. Vartak, one of the four names I mentioned, he proposed it in 1980 sometime. And so when I started working with it, my goal was to see if it is true. And my goal was to actually disprove that date. So I went through every single observation. Okay. So let's see what happens, what that line did. Next. Bear with me. It, it appears complicated. I tell you, it's simple. Okay. That line has split this circle into three different phenomena. The first one is we can say, go next, that particular curve, we can say the Vasishta would appear walking ahead of Arundhati. And I'll show you in a minute, few minutes why. Okay. Next, when that line cuts that circle at two points, A and B, 4508 BC, those two points, let me ask you a question. Where do you see the point of Pole, star, pole along that curve and the line. Who would appear ahead and who would appear behind? Think of as a clock. 
and you, that line is the arm of the clock and Arundhati and Vasishta are on that arm. Anyone ahead? Anyone behind? No. No, no. On that line, when it's on the line, Vasishta, it's as if they are eclipsed. They will be coinciding and I'm going to show you. So Vasishta and Arundhati will be together. No one ahead, no one behind in those two years. And the last one, next. Anytime the point of North Celestial Pole is along that green area, okay, you will see that Arundhati would appear walking ahead of Vasishta. Okay, so we are going to do that. Next. Next, click, click, click. So we are going to do the today's scenario. So just for the reference as a help, I'm just drawing those uh, trajectories for each of the star. Just that looking at this picture, will everyone agree that here we would see Vasishta walking ahead of Arundhati? Yes? And let's look at the simulation. Next. If you look at the astronomy simulation, that vertical green line, think of that as a 12 o'clock in your clock. It's the meridian in astronomy. Vasishta has already gone ahead, crossed the meridian, Arundhati is behind. Everyone with me? Just the year, if you check, that's 2016, our times. Next. So now I'm going to look at those two points, A and B. When the North Pole, the point of North Pole was at A and B. And when was that? 4508 BCE and also 11,091 BCE. Okay, let's do it. Next, 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 next. So from B now, I am drawing those arms again. Okay, go next. Another one. Okay, they are aligned with each other. Next. And what do we see? We will see Arundhati and Vasishta walk together. Let's do the simulation. That's exactly what you see. So at meridian, they are both crossing together. No one ahead, no one behind. No, they are not in the place of Dhruvatara. The place of Dhruvatara is point A or B. And Vasishta and Arundhati are walking around A or B and all other stars of that area too. Okay, next. Let's do that for 4508 BC. Again, I'm doing that from point A. Let's look at the simulation for that year. Again, the same thing. No one ahead, no one behind. Yes? Okay. Now let's look at the last scenario. Next. So now I'm deliberately keeping that straight line as your reference line because you know that's when they, no one is ahead, no one is behind. Next. Go next. And now I'm going to draw lines from this point of North Pole in 5561 BC to Arundhati and Vasishta. Next. And what can you say? Not much difference. But what do you see? If they are going anti-clockwise, you will see Arundhati walk ahead of Vasishta. Next, next. And let's look at the simulation. Next. Pay attention. Not much difference. And they are going anti-clockwise. But Arundhati has already crossed the meridian. Vasishta yet has to cross the meridian. And that was the scenario that was happening from 11,091 BCE until 4,508 BCE, so until 6,500 years ago, okay? Next. So now, back to the triangle, the triangle of science. If you want to bring all this together, what did we do? We did the testing, empirical proof, okay? That any one of you should be able to go back and test it. Don't have to trust me on this one. So go slow, okay? So we start with the explanation. What is the explanation? Simple, Arunathya Aedopasishtha. The testing, the question is, is it even possible? Those people who thought it's not possible, they said somebody must have inserted it. 
But when finally someone could actually show that it is possible, the question is, when was that possible? When was the case? And the answer is, sometime from 11,091 BC until 4,500 BC, around 6,500 years. Anytime anyone on the Earth, Northern Hemisphere, looking at Arundhati Vasishta during this time would have seen Arundhati walk ahead of Vasishta. Next. So now bring this together. Put your scientific hat. We got the empirical proof. We got the Shabda Praman, somebody saying, claiming something, Arundhati walking ahead of Vasishta. We got the empirical proof that yes, it indeed went ahead of Vasishta. <coughs> if you combine, we should be able to assert that Mahabharata war did not happen any time after 4500 BC, depending on how you say it. Okay, did not happen, I said. Okay. This one single observation. Bring back the example I gave you of Lokman Chirag in 1920. It doesn't matter whether it's said 23 or 31 or 37, doesn't matter. Any year of Mahabharata war that falls after 4500 BC, this one observation says wrong. Now I want you to bring the skeptic in you. What will you say? Come on, go next one. He says, okay, that's fine. Shabda Praman matches with the Pratyaksha Praman, empirical proof. That's all nice, but come on. That's just one observation. Yeah, go next. Next. So I said, skeptic blurts out. They actually do. This is, but this is only one observation. Could this be a random coincidence? Oh, it's possible, you know. We are only, in, when you talk of science, you are talking about more likely and less likely. There is no certainties in science, okay? It's very humble, but it's also very fearless. It feels comfortable making claims and it encourages others to come and say, please prove me wrong. That's science, okay? So somebody says that's a coincidence, maybe just one reference, not at all. Remember, there are 215 and you can just go one after another. I'm going to give you a quick summary of another one. Um, deductive reasoning based on Bhishma Nirvana. Again, I'm not going to go through it. In fact, I'm writing a book on it titled Bhishma Nirvana. Okay, and one great mentor of mine said, I used to, ex I started explaining to him, now he understood, but he said, if you cannot explain something in 20 minutes, write a book. Okay, so I'm going to write a book on it. But quick summary of it, it's just like I did on a, what I showed you with the AV observation. It's totally different ball game, nothing to confuse with AV observation. We can also prove with the same force that Mahabharata war, just based on 23 references of Bhishma Nirvana, did not happen even a day late than 4700 BC or before 7000 BC. Okay, next. So again, this set of observation also instantly falsifies any date that falls after 4500. They are more or less same. They happen to be the same. Next. Again, the skeptic, our skeptic doesn't give up. He says, all right, but there are only two sets of observations that do this. Could this be a random coincidence? Now I'm not going to keep you here all night going through that. But no, we have many others. You can just go through the seasons and go on and on. I'll encourage you to read my book or even a blog. There are 400 blogs that I have written, essentially responding to questions like this. Next. I want to give you a second example from Ramayana. Okay, and then we'll stop and get into questions and answers. Very similar, I try to make the picture that looks similar. Ramayana has more than 500 astronomy observations. 
Again, we can split them into those two categories. This category is near Earth phenomenon, repeats frequently, okay, positions of the moon, eclipses, planetary positions, and so on. The other side is driven by, now you must, you are experts, by the phenomenon known as the precession of equinoxes. There we go. Actually, the answer is very fast because we have gone through it. Next. Yuddha Kanda of Ramayana, they use the word Kanda instead of Parva. Okay. Hanuman and the party have found Sita, it's in Lanka, they came to Kishkinda and in a hurry, you know, everybody left for Lanka. You might have read it, Ramayana or seen the TV serial and whatnot. Everybody is walking towards Lanka and during this time, Lakshman is describing the uh, different various things on the, in the sky. Obviously, they are taking help of various stars and making sure they are traveling in the right direction during night and so on. And he describes the pole star of Ramayana times. Brahma Rashir Vishuddha Shishuddhashya Paramarshya Archishmanta Prakashante Dhruvam Sarve Pradakshini. Quick next one. So, crude translation. Great sages are making parikrama around the fixed or settled Brahma Rashi, Abhijit, the pole star. So he's, he's describing the pole star of Ramayana times. Well, you're experts now. You know when Brahma Rashi last time was the pole star. When was it? 13,000 years ago, around 12,000 BC. We can do the exact math, you know, be more precise. Next. And find out. The closest that the NCP was to the star Brahma Rashi was in 1248 BC. We can go plus minus 1000 years, maybe plus minus 2000 years to be on safe side. Go next. So that gives me the boundary. 10,000 BC and never after that. Again, I put my scientific hat. I have the description. I have the empirical proof. Next, I bring it together. Go slow. Testing, empirical various pole stars, I showed you the circle, everybody knows it. Next is the prediction for Brahma Rashi, we can find out, 12,000 BC, you said it, right? And what is the explanation? Lakshman mentioned Brahma Rashi as the pole star. Brahma Rashi, Vishuddhashya, Shuddhashya, Paramashya, Achishmanta, Prakashante, Dhrom, Survey, Production. So if you accept this reference, if you put this together, we can say that Maharamayan did not happen even a day late than 10,000 BC. Again, where is my skeptic? Okay, just one reference. Yeah, little bit of Brahma Rashi. I don't necessarily understand this thing. Any other? Ramayana has seven different kind. I'm going to quickly describe you. This is from the Yuddha Khan. I'm going to describe three references from three different other kind of Ramayana. In Aranya Khan, it's the time of Lakshman, Ram and Sita in Panchavati and it's a time of Hemanta season, the season that we are in right now. The Hemant season would be over in 10, 15, 10 to 12 days with the winter solstice. And Lakshman is describing the sky again. It seems Lakshman's job to describe the sky. Lakshman says, Livrutta Atasha Shayana Pushyanita Himaruna. During this Hemanta Rutu, Sun is setting on the horizon, the western horizon, near Nakshatra Pushya. If our times, you go right now tonight and you can see it, what you will find is sun sets around Purvashada, Uttarashada, Shravan. Lakshman is saying it sets around Pushya, 
Again, use the precision of equinoxes and you can find out exactly what that happened. The timing comes 11,500 BC to 17,500 BC. In our times, month of Ashwin is our, what you call, Dashara, right? That's the Ashara time. It comes in a Sharad Rutu, you know, after the rainy season. In Ramayana times, it is described as the time of Vasanta Rutu, like our Holi. Vayam Vashwa Vijayamasi Kalasankhya Vyavasita Prasthita Sopichadita Kimatah Karya Matkaram. This is Vasanta Rutu and month of Ashwin is passing away. How are we going to find Sita? Angadi is saying to his party. That is from another Kant, Sundar Kant. And then there is one more, the description of Chaitra. Everyone knows when Ram was born, right? The Indian month, what was that? Chaitra, Chaitra, April is the English month. Chaitra, Shukla, Naomi, right? In our times, it appears during the Vasanta Rutu, second part of Vasanta Rutu. Yeah? The description is Chaitram Sri Manayam Masa Punya Pushpita Kanana. This is a very auspicious month of Chaitra. It has been said in Ramayana when the forests are blooming with flowers. Now, that can happen in Chaitra, early Chaitra. Well, but Ramayana has to happen in our times. We are definitely sure of that. It did not happen in our times. If you go back 2000 years, that's the early part of Vasanta. We know it definitely did not happen in that time. Okay? So if you have to back, 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 again use the precision of equinoxes and you have to find another time when the forest could be blooming with flowers. And we have to go to a beginning of Hemantarutu or Sharadrutu, when the again forest, our Dashara season, we get, for, then we can say that the forests are blooming with flowers. Four references I gave. All of them refer to 10,000 BC and in the past, like 4,000 years, 5,000 years, 6,000 years, but not any time after that. Next. I'll stop here and I'll love to take questions and answers. I don't know. Why restrict yourself to the last 36,000 years only? Why could you not take it back by one more block of 36,000? Excellent question. I'm going to repeat the question for you. And you tell me if I got your question correct. I went through 26,000 years. I didn't even go that far. But I went backwards to find the time when Arundhati was walking ahead of Vasishta, for example. The question he's asking is, why can't you go back another round of 26,000 years and see what happens? Suppose Arundhati is walking ahead of Vasishta, then he would say, hold on. This 11,000 BC to 4,500 BC is not the unique instance when Arundhati was walking ahead of Vasishta. Lucky for us, I did that of course. I went back to 40,000 BC and 60,000 and 80,000 and all of that. There is something called, I don't have a time to explain it, but something called proper motions. Each of these stars, although they appear steady, they have their own motions in the declination direction and right ascension direction. And the way it happens, okay, uh, the both of them are going sort of away from the north. But Vasishta is going twice faster than Arundhati. So when you go backwards to another round of precision of equinoxes, it so happens that Vasishta is now towards the north in compared to Arundhati. And this unique situation as far as the past is concerned, where Arundhati was walking ahead of Vasishta, appeared only once in the whole life of the earth, only once, where this 11,091 BC 
4500 BC. Now, going forward, 11,000 years from now, again, you will you can see Arundhati walk ahead of Vasishta. But if you go in the past, only one instance of that 6500 years. Sir, uh, have you ever thought about linking the date of the Mahabharata to the Indus Valley Civilization? Because a lot of historians seem to suggest that it was actually the same civilization and it was not the theory about Aryans coming from Central Asia has been described by a lot of Indian historians. Okay. Okay, so a couple, couple of questions there. So, have I linked uh, the Mahabharata, Ramayana to the Indus Valley Civilization and then you threw in the Aryan invasion theory? Okay, let me ask you, let me see how, how alert you were listening to this. I did not use the word AIT anywhere. But what is the timing of AIT? What do people say? Those who say, we don't know who they are, you know, it's a hearsay. 1500 BC, sometimes they push it to 1800 BC. Okay, 45, I'm saying here, I'm asserting here and ready for challenge from anyone in the world. Mahabharata war did not happen even a day late than 4500 BC in the best scientific method you can imagine. If you don't accept this, not you I mean, we have to change the definition of science and objectivity and rationality. So AIT just goes out there, okay? Now, your second question uh, about the Sindhu Saraswati civilization. Uh, actually, what does that tell you? Again, Sindhu Saraswati civilization, its timing is now getting extended, right? So we know the mature phase is like 1800, 2000 BC, but we go back 3000 BC, 4000 BC, 5000 BC. Mehagad, in now it's in Pakistan, it goes back in uh, Baluchistan, it goes back to 7000 BC. Rakhi Gadi we found is 5500 BC and all of that. So, and is, where is it happening? In India, right? The, the older India, we can't use the current boundaries of India. It is happening here. So they have to be similar, I mean similar civilization, not like a Mahabharata civilization or Ramayana civilization, our civilization, different times of it. And there is additional research, but it goes into another area altogether, like deciphering Indus Valley civilization, Indus Valley script and whatnot. So I will not go there just today for that reason. Excuse me, sir. Uh, is it uh, if uh, the dating of both dating of both Ramayana and Mahabharata, if it is related to the cosmic or um, Arundhati and and if it happens that the circle of all the stars are moving, then can we see that it happens again and again? Okay. Uh, if, if you are paying attention, I did answer, the, he asked the same question in a different language. As far as the Arundhati Vasishta is concerned, there was only one instance going back in the past from 11,091 to 4500 BC when Arundhati could be seen walking ahead of Vasishta, never before as far as that reference goes. So, why do you think the uh, So, why like, you uh, use a empirical method to determine the certainty of the dates when, like, when the, of the events in the Mahabharata? How is, like, are you also then claiming that whatever is written in the Mahabharata is in fact fact and in fact did happen? Okay. No, that's, that's too much to claim, right? <laughs> Yeah. What happens is this. I'll give you an example. Uh, everyone knows the story of King Shivaji, Raja Shivaji. Yeah. Uh, if you read his story, I mean, not written by him, but combined together, there is a mention okay, of uh, Goddess Bhavani giving him a sword, you know, 
Bhavani sword. I mean, you'll hear in some descriptions. And Vinoba Bhave, commenting on it, once said, he said, Bhavani Talwar, all right. It's called Tarwar, you know, Tarwar or Talwar. Bhavani Talwar, all right. But it was made in Portugal. Actually, Shivaji Maharaj got it manufactured because the Portuguese technology was considered one of the best for that kind of weaponry. And then, because he had a Shraddha and a Nishta for Goddess Bhavani, so you remember, I mean, you have some prasad, you put it in front of a god, you do all your puja, and you then take that as a blessing from a god. In that conviction, he took it. So, story, now I, this is my interpretation. Somebody will insist that it was literally given by Goddess Bhavani. Again, we have to go back to empirical proof. Does that answer your question? Just because I am saying this one sentence, am I claiming everything else in Mahabharata to be literally true? Why would I? So there can be many things symbolic as well. So there can be many things which are symbolic as well. Uh, like uh, it is mentioned that Arundhati walking ahead of Vashistha or the otherwise. So that is kind of symbolic. So it is not literally, it may not be literally mentioned with the stars, but it is symbolic. And then we later we came to know about it that it is actually uh, referring to the stars. And so many things in Mahabharata and Ramayana, which may seem to be mythology, may be very symbolic as well, referring to something else. And we might be uh, thinking that it is actually what they're saying, maybe mythology. Okay, so but what you are saying is maybe what's not. You know how the science works? Okay, it's, it's, it's a fearless game. You actually put your food there and say, you know what, nothing symbolic or whatever it is, maybe, no, you take it. I think, I assert that this is so and willing to be wrong. Anyone has heard name Sir Ken Robinson? He's a, he's a great education, educational researcher. He has said, I'm not saying, his quote, that you have to be wrong to be innovative or creative. But unless you are willing to be wrong, you cannot be creative. So you, you have to actually propose your theory, put the theory out there, skin in the game, test it out. But now, just to answer another question that you said, well, Arundhati Vasishta could be symbolic, right? Could be symbolic. Well, that's what these people were saying. But the reason they were saying is because they could not show actually Arundhati walking ahead of Vasishta. The day that changed, it's no longer symbolic. We have empirical proof. Now, is that the only empirical proof? No. We have, I showed you. There is a Bhishma Nirvana. Forget Arundhati Vasishta. Still, Mahabharata can be shown to be not a day late after 4700 BC. Now, now then we bring Arundhati Vasishta back and says, okay, all these references are leading to that same timeline. Is it all symbolic? Maybe somebody will say, just like these days people may write a science fiction book. Somebody used a software figured out these dates, all interesting things when it happened, put together as a novel, okay? Let's take that as a possibility. Well, then at least we all must admit, because to go backwards, we need these all software, astronomy, data, astronomic equations, simulations, which we claim came after Newton and Kepler and Einstein. But we know that the Mahabharata, the latest, I mean, the oldest edition that even we can find is 2000 years old. So at least agree, that there were like a father of Newton, some great, you know, of Einstein and Lagrange and Kepler, at least 2000, 1000 plus years before Newton. So if you take that track, you know, it's a symbolic and all of that, we go on another track. It's written on the back of my book, that argument, because somebody has already raised it. 
What about the yugas? I tell you guys, the first list I gave you of the frequently asked questions and these frequently asked questions. Great question. What about the yugas? Can you specify more? Yeah, I mean, treta yuga and uh, first yuga activity. Yeah, treta yuga, dwapar yuga, and kali yuga. So, kali yuga would have started our related question, so maybe you can answer both uh, in the same breath. Uh, that uh, usually the uh, start of Kali Yoga is uh, assumed to be uh, around 3100 BC and generally with Parikshit uh, and his device uh, started the Kali Yoga, uh, it was assured and often that is used to, you know, point uh, the date of Mahabharata. Okay, I, I got the question, yeah. So, I'll state first thing which is Within Mahabharata itself, within the text of Mahabharata, 125,000 verses, there are nine references to Kali, not necessarily Yuga, but Kali. And all of them, when they appear, they appear, you remember the game of Dyuta that the Yudhishthir was playing with Shakuni and all? They appear as the certain numbering, certain combinations when they are playing it, as a Treta, Kruta, Dwapar and Kali. In fact, when Ashwatthama is also scolding Kauravas, don't get into this war, he says, you know what, it's not about Kruta and Dwapar and Treta, it is about bow and arrows. And then Krishna is also talking to Karna and he also says, when the war begins, it won't be Kruta and Treta. Again, he's referring to it won't be about playing the games, it's about the war and things like that. Now to the second question that, so, so there is in Mahabharata itself, there is no reference whatsoever that will allow anyone to take any Mahabharata reference and connect with this later theory. You see it mostly in Puranas of this Treta, Dwapar, Kali, Yuga and certain years and so on. Now Mahabharata itself has five theories of Yuga. So if someone, somebody wants to make the connection, my question is which of the five theories you want to start with? Just as a quick answer, I have tried, played with all five of them and none of them matches. Okay. Now to his question of uh, connecting Krishna's passing away with Kali Yuga and so on. Astronomically, somebody thought of 3102 BCE as beginning of Kali Yuga. And then Srimad Bhagavad Puran has one verse which says, when Krishna left the planet, Kali Yuga began. Okay, now when did Krishna leave the planet? Think of a mathematics, many simultaneous equations. Okay, so Kali Yuga beginning 3102 BCE. Krishna left the planet and Kali Yuga began. So Kali Yuga began, Krishna left the planet 3102 BCE. Are you with me? And then Mahabharata says, after the war, plus 36 years, Krishna left the planet. So take that 3102 BC, add 36 years to it, that comes to 3138. Now please follow that BC logic, okay, 3138 BC. So people have come to that number. Again, none of the astronomy evidence matches for 3138 BC. None of the astronomy evidence matches for anything around 3000 BC, none. And there are 60 claims who claim that. मेरा प्रश्न भी युगों से ही है युगों का जो काल होता है वो कुछ लाख सालों का होता है जैसे कलयुग है वो चार लाख सालों का बोला गया है तो आपके अनुसार रामायण और महाभारत के बीच में कुछ हजार सालों का अंतर है सेवेन थाउजेंड सेवेन थाउजेंड जबकि दोनों अलग अलग युगों में बोले गए हैं एक त्रेता में और एक द्वापर में तो फिर मतलब युग जबकि उनका मतलब जो काल होता है वो लाख सालों का होता है आपके अनुसार फिर एक कुछ हजार सालों का कैसे नहीं ओके वेरी गुड क्वेश्चन अगेन मेरे अनुसार कुछ नहीं आई एम टेलिंग यू व्हाट रामायण के अनुसार क्या है और महाभारत के अनुसार क्या है महाभारत में लेट्स टेक अनदर रेफरेंस फ्रॉम महाभारत 
when bishma started ruling okay this is before the big war and everything many years before when bishma started ruling there is a description that bishma brought kruta yuga the way bishma was ruling was such that it was a time of a kruta yuga when parshuram parshuram after he got rid of the miscreants there, there is a description when parshuram started ruling it was a, a rule as if of a kruta yuga and in the ramayana also there is a reference of dasharath and some others the times were such that the time was that of kruta yuga so just to answer your question mahabharat has definition of yuga as i said there are five specific definition but this is a sixth it says raja kalasya karanam a quick one how many of you have heard the word phala hetu yeah phala hetu yeah see think carefully many times we think we predict and then it happens like because we are sometime you know mesmerized by astrology and what not but think of a phala hetu a thing happens just like you stumbling on a step and you turn and say what happened so it already happened and now we are going backwards trying to find the reason phala hetu now we are trying to find the cause now combine that with mahabharata definition of a yuga raja kalasya karanam king is king by his own behavior and administration brings a certain type of yuga but mahabharat or ramayana both have no reference whatsoever to this later development of many millions years of yuga or kruta treta thousand sandhya kal none of that yeah uh, thank you for this great talk uh so i will play the skeptic that you were referring Please. to again and again and uh, so you've based all your uh, conclusions on astronomical data right uh but we haven't maybe you've considered the other data like archaeological and other stuff that you were mentioning uh, but this talk was only about astronomical right uh, now there is this counter argument about how you can map the same conclusions on to other uh, other observations in fields like archaeology and geology and stuff right um so one of the things that dr elst writes is about the evidence of chariots and when when the wars on chariots were happening that is when mahabharata is supposed to have happened and we discussed before this and you said that absence of evidence is not really evidence of absence right uh but that's not i i don't think that's how science should work right uh which of course i mean there is should not work i mean it shouldn't you can't say that because there is no evidence then probably this is it right yeah. so what i'm saying is that although this is very interesting uh, that you done all this analysis and it's hard to you know refute this as such uh, but what is the likelihood of uh, you know we know that all these texts uh, they've been written they've been various versions of it and there are a lot of interpolations so what is the likelihood that someone later on while constructing story decide okay uh, let me add some lit of uh, background to it and to make it more interesting say that you know this is what happened and uh and vashishta was arundhati was ahead of vashishta and because indians have had a very good astronomical knowledge uh, from very early on okay. so it was easy for them to guess i mean to decide that this happened sometime and what is the likelihood of that uh, to have happened okay uh, if you think I, i i mean i did answer that question in a sense that let us imagine this is a science fiction okay 
then what could have happened? But I want to clarify something. The absence of evidence is not evidence of absence, is, is something that goes against the argument that are made by likes of Dr. Konrad Elst or Srikant Telegiri. It goes against them because that kind of argument is not scientific. Okay? Nassim Nicholas Taleb, if number of you who might have known the name, he says there is a worse kind of disease beyond this in everything. The worst disease is people think whatever is not found until now will never be found. Okay? Now you ask me what other things I use. Archaeology, well I have a question, I mean archaeology is great but start digging. I mean what evidence have we found right now that we can link to what is written in Mahabharata? None. The answer is none. Okay. So to the possibility of somebody just taking this material and creating a story, science is not about being 100% certain. It's about more likely versus less likely or Occam's razor, you know, that's what we say. So we look at 200 plus astronomy references and I'll give you another field of evidence. And we say Arundhati Vasishtet gives me this, Vishma Nirvana gives me this, Sharat season gives me this and I go on and on and on phases and everything else and it leads me to that date. Now could this, could this all still be wrong? Well, in principle, I mean on the normal distribution, there is a 0.001% possibility that it is, but that's when we have to use what is more likely versus less likely. Now what I did is, I'll take quickly Dwarka. I'm again writing a book on it, so I won't give you the whole explanation. Cannot do more than 20 minutes. Um, so Dwarka 36 years after Mahabharata war, it was lost. Krishna passed away around the same time. That's what Mahabharata says. So 5561 BC plus 20 uh, plus 36 years takes you to 5525 BC. And so I started searching that. What kind of evidence do I get? Okay. Now, what many people again get into the logical fallacy is they go to the west coast of uh, India, like Gujarat, and they find certain time when there was a flooding and say, okay, that was Dwarka. That is like saying Mahabharata says Monday was the first day. I found Monday must be the must be right. That is again a logical fallacy. But what I looked at, I said, do I do I find any corroborative, supporting, validating evidence for 5525 BC as the flooding of Dwarka? That's what it says. This is what I found. Just quick summary. In fact, I found 50 references around the world, and I stopped searching. I said, let me now write a book. In the uh, Arabian Ocean, if you go back and find out a significant increase in the sea level rise, you are not going to believe this number. It's all there, 30 years, published 30 years before. Now, it wasn't in the context of Mahabharata Ramayana. They did not know those who published it. Do you know how much water level went up? In 6th millennium BCE, that is this, 55-25 BCE, okay, 125 meters of water going up. Okay. Now keep in mind that when the water goes up, the land is not sitting steady, it can go down, it can go up, so it's kind of relative. Then uh, there is an Indian research done on seismology, like different earthquakes. We know there was a big earthquake 30 years or 20 years ago. But you go back, it's amazing that the evidence can be found. I'm not an expert, so I don't know what evidence they find. But there is one big, uh, big earthquakes, because actually the evidence goes away over time. But big earthquakes around 2300 BC, and it's like a rector scale 6 or something. This is from Cochin, you know, some of the research. And then you go back, lo and behold, 7500 years ago, which is 5500 BC, and 7 plus rector scale 
uh, earthquake. The Black Sea, do you know when Black Sea was formed as a salty water sea? Amazing thing you will find is 55, 25 BC plus minus 130 years. This is a work of two uh, well-known geologists at Columbia University. Again, they have nothing to do with Mahabharata, nothing to do with Ramayana. They were looking for Noah's Ark. Okay, write down. I mean, I am just being flexible and saying 55, 25 BC plus minus 100 years. Actually, their numbers are 55, 25 BC plus minus 30 plus minus 40. And those who know statistics, if you take more samples, that's exactly what will happen. Okay, go down to Barbados, which is close to America coast. Okay, my uh, another alumni, an alumnus, you know, when I did my master's, University of Alberta, chemical engineering, he was studying in geology from originally from Mexico, Paul, Blanch Paul Blanchon. He actually did some study there. Again, it is in already published, peer-reviewed journals, is part of some of the books. In Barbados, there was a significant sudden rise of water of 6.5 meters. You want to guess the year? I think you can do a good job. 5600 years, 56 BC, plus minus 140 years. And I can go on and on and on around the world, coast of Maine and so on. In fact, then I started finding publications. One after another, 50, I stopped. So that's the geological evidence. There is additional astronomy evidence uh, from Harivamsha and so on. And I'm, I'm, I have already done the work. I have to just write about it. There is anthropological evidence. Uh, Professor Kennedy, some of you might know that name from uh, Cornell. He passed away. I had a correspondence with him and so on. Again, there is a weak evidence, anthropological evidence, but I'm looking for anything that basically brings and corroborates this thing. Wait, 7,300 years ago. 7,500 7, yeah. That's very interesting because in Sanjeev Sanyal's first book, uh, was it? Land of yes, seven yes. I, I'm actually not sure if I read it there or whether I read it in uh, Mikhil Danino's uh, Lost River Saraswati. But there is a reference in the Mahabharata, I think it's in Danino's book, that Balram actually drags the Yamuna and changes its course, something like that. Uh -huh. And I think Sanjeev Sanyal, okay, then it is Mikhail Danino's. Uh, and I think, you know, so there, it, this is fair, there is fair evidence that the Yamuna used to flow into the, uh, in the, into the Saraswati. Saraswati. And then it changed course and started flowing into the Ganga. Yeah. So, you know, there is, and I don't have a question, but I'm just stating that that's very interesting because yeah. that's an earthquake which could have caused the shift. And Sanjeev talks about the earthquake, yes. In his Correct. Uh, so, but I want to take the opportunity to tell you something about the same thing, which is this. Ramayan itself talks about Satlaj because other river that was feeding Saraswati was Satlaj. Okay. Ramayan does mention Saraswati. Okay but not the Grand River, listen carefully, whereas Rugved mentions Saraswati as the Grand River, even bigger than Ganga, but not Ramayana. Ramayana times Ganga, Yamuna are the big thing. Ramayana mentions Yamuna merging with Ganga, okay? And Ramayana also clearly mentions Satlaj which has turned west, because if it doesn't turn west, it comes down and meets Saraswati before. But Roper in uh, Punjab or yeah, Rupanagar, what they call it, you can go there and see how sharply it turns. Like uh, Dr. Srinivas uh, uh, Kalyan Raman, you know, who has done a significant great research in Saraswati, he actually asked me, he said, you should go and see it. I haven't had a chance to do that. But so Ramayana refers to them, 
as already splitting. So, even the Saraswati of Ramayana times is not the grand Saraswati of Rugveda. And that's how it should be, in fact. Because Ramayana refers to three Vedas. Mahabharata refers to three Vedas. They are before that. So, some people ask, in fact, uh, Michel Danino's book, Lost River. Again, a great book. But I do feel, uh, in fact, I'm convinced that he missed the point, which is what he's thinking is that is the grand river of Rugveda. I like to assert that it is not. What I mean is the river is the same area. But then where did this water come from? And he gives sufficient evidence for a good level of water in Saraswati during like 9000 BC to 4000 BC. We have to go to climatology. Another, see guys, this never ends. Another science, another area of science. And what happened is the monsoon in Indian area actually became heavy after 9000 BC. And then it went down again to where it is now in 4000 BC. So, that heavy monsoon started feeding the path of Saraswati again. And my, my theory is that that is, what was, that is what rejuvenated Saraswati. And that's what you see even in Mahabharata. Mahabharata description says, sometime Saraswati is, uh, appears, sometime it has gone under the sand, sometime it is very grand and turn, taking a turn in the eastward. Balram says, Balram was wowed to look at Saraswati turning east. But other times, it's just non-existent. It has gone under the, under the sand. Uh, with the uh, Vedas and the Indus Valley. Yeah, so what, what I'm, okay, so my timing for Mahabharata, 6 millennium BC, my time for Ramayana, 13 millennium BC, both of them mention Rugveda and all of that. So I am uh, very comfortably saying that Rugveda is way before 14,000. In fact, I didn't have a time to discuss this. There are other astronomy references, which actually references in Mahabharata, talking of the past, which takes to 15,000 BC and even earlier. Uh, what effect does this change in years have actually uh, between what has been stated and what you are stating? But what I am stating and who? And whatever you know, whatever you are disputing to uh, what uh, you know, whatever X is there and you are saying it's Y. Mm -hmm. What does this uh, you know lead to? I mean, okay. Well, I'm not disputing. I'm asserting, and the other guys are all over. They are yeah, no, they, they, I want them to dispute. They are not. They are running away. <laughs> so what does this change lead to? I mean, what does this all mean? What does this lead to? What does this lead to at a very high level? Uh, for example, the... No, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a very good question. What it leads to is that there is this theory that is a Western theory that is forced on us that time is linear and what I mean by time is linear is that the progress is only one way affair. That we were like you know uh, running in the jungles, jumping on the trees, we meaning all human beings and it was a stone age and then a certain age and so on and so forth and we have made a progress. Uh, no, in fact there is a cyclical theory. The, thing, the civilization can grow to great heights and actually collapse because of many factors. They could be climatological factors, they could be cultural factors and so on and so forth, religious factors. I mean, so civilization can collapse. I mean, that's the, that's the narrative of it. Like, even though civilizations might have risen and have collapsed, no matter how great or how bad they have been, it still, like, still doesn't change the fact that the progression of time has been linear. Okay. Uh, now that goes into totally another area. So I will suggest a book for you to read. 11 Pictures of Time by Professor C.K. Raju. 11 Pictures of Time. Okay, And then we can talk 
you can find me nileshok at gmail.com. You type in Google nileshok. You can get to my blog. You can ma make a comment there. We can talk. So another question. Um, so it's like your research is a lot about empirically testing the validity and not of, of the events that transpired in Mahabharata and Zaraman and not whether they actually like transpired. No, no, no. You're not stating it correct. You're not, you're, you're misstating me. No, I'm just asking the like when they happen, right? Yeah. Like on on the time scale, yeah. And not whether or not they actually transfer. Yeah. So apart from like this is just a very general question. Apart from the art for the art sake argument, apart from the progression of like research and academia, what significance does this have? Okay, that can be another lecture. We can do that another time. But briefly, I responded, which is to say, it is the Indian narrative. Because others are doing the narrative for us and telling us that uh, Aryans came in 1500 BC or whatever the time you want to do it. Okay, and that that is your narrative. That's how you think, and you know it comes into how you work, how you think, what you do, everything. Yeah, please uh, just a couple of comments. Uh, one thing is it's a wonderful work. I'm fully convinced, and uh, only reservation. Which I have you know, written to you when you when I read your first class. That as we know the history of civilization today, the domestication of evidence for domestication of animals and domestication of plants mm -hmm. doesn't go back to more than 10 to 12,000 years ago. Okay, yeah. Whereas Ramayana occurred 14,000 years ago. I mean, you have so nicely given this evidence. So, this part of anthropological uh, collaboration would have to be done. We have to wait for more evidences. Yeah. Maybe fresh carbon dating because earlier carbon dating were done and that time the machines were not that good. And similarly in Indus Valley civilization and at many other places the dates have been advanced. Yes. Whenever the re-dating has been done now. Because even in Indus Valley dating was done sometime in Mohan Jadaro and the fine 1940. Uh, or even earlier. Yeah. If we do the same samples dating again, maybe the date will change. Yeah. That's all. The dating has already changed. It has changed. About 1500, we see based on the time plan and the quantity. About not more than 8 to 9000 years ago. We have heard about this. Second is about Yuga. There were two or three comments about Yuga. A renowned Sanskrit scholar, Dr. Surikant Bhadi, has written a book in Hindi called Bharat Kanha about reinterpretation of Quranic stories. And his interpretation about Yuga is that uh, due to several ecological disturbances again and again, like one was drawing up of Saraswati, our civilization uh, lost, was lost several, at least on two or three major times. And people got displaced on a large scale, our history got lost. So somebody around, let's say, three to four thousand years ago, called a Nemi Sharanya Sangoshti, to recollect the history and called almost 80,000 people who, you know, the 80,000 rishis, you can say, from different places to narrate whatever narrative is there in their villages and compile the history. And this person, possibly Vyas, divided the entire history of India into four parts. Like we do in geology, primary, secondary, tertiary, and quaternary stages of Earth's history. So similarly, the first was Ekal. Ekal is one, and that word has got distorted into Kali. That was the first, most recent is Kali. And then from most recent to, and the end, I mean the end of Kali becomes 
Mahabharat Vah. Okay, and uh, Parikshit Vee. So from Parikshit, or let's say Krishna to Ram, that is the second phase, second part of the Vishnu. So that is called Dwapar, and Dwapar would literally mean second, from Dwai. And then from Ram to Vedic age is the tertiary, let's say, compartment. Veda comes from Trithiya. Okay. So there is a third part and that compartmentalization is from Ram to Vedikira. Yeah. And in Ramayana, there are only three Vedas, not four. Correct. Okay. Actually, Mahabharata was from for most part the same. Okay. okay. So, Veda, Mr. Vegunya, Bhavajuna, so all Ram is, you know, has learned three Vedas, Hanuman has, yeah. he has learned three Vedas only, not the fourth one. And then pre-Vedic history, that is the part about Puranas, which is basically transmission from uh, let's say hunter-gatherer stage to first agricultural village. That part of the story constitutes the Chatur Yuga, and this Chatur Yuga has got now distorted to Satur Yuga and Satya, yeah. or Chatur to Krit. So that is the one. Now regarding somebody said about lakhs of years and so on. Except yeah. uh, uh, Professor Gupta. One 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 last sentence yeah. about lakhs of years. There are a lot of distortions in spelling mistakes because all these narratives have come down to us to oral history. And there are spelling mistakes at a number of places. So just a minor change in a letter or vowel yes. will change the entire meaning altogether. True. For example, Dashraji is telling Vishwamitra that look, my son is only 13 years old. You are taking him, you are taking him to jungles, you know, to kill demons. I am 60,000 years old. This is a big enormity. So obviously there is a spelling mistake. Nobody can be 60,000 years One can imagine one is 60 years old, but not 60,000 years old. So this saying so that... Is it your underlying premise in all of this that these things actually happened and those people were there? Absolutely. And you need to allow for the scope that it was a literary text and... Okay, okay guys. Okay, just let me stop you because I mean discussion is great, but I just don't want to turn into discussion and go there. When uh, Professor Gupta, what you said, that reminded me of the question, Ashish, that you did not, I mean, you asked, but I did not answer, which is about interpolations. Let's accept this. Any literature, old or new, as the time passes, gets some errors added, stories gets added and whatnot, okay? There are different types of errors, as Professor Gupta mentioned. The translation, transliteration, transposition, transcriptions, interpolation, all kinds of errors are there. Okay? But what we cannot do, as uh, Professor Romila Thapar always used to argue, he says, when coming to the dating of Ramayana, what she would say is, there's a lot of interpolations. So, first sit down, of course, she's not willing to sit down, let somebody else do it. That's, all, that's what I call tamasic skeptic. Skeptic, all right, but tamasic. That person is not going to do anything. But let's remove all the, uh, what you call, interpolations and then decide the date. What is problem with that? In the area of science, okay, in the area of science, Francis Bacon tried this. And I want everyone to listen to this. Francis Bacon said similar thing. He said, we have, our mind is prejudice. We have to remove all the prejudice all the superstition, everything. And with a clean and a fresh mind, we should observe the nature and then we will know the truth. Sounds very good, right? But that same Francis Bacon couldn't get away, even when there was the evidence and people were pushing him, from the notion that Earth is at the center and everything is rotating around it. 
my point being yes let's accept that there are interpolations but how would we know it and actually if you go my go to my blog site you see many of those interpolations that i have discussed you can by luck of course you can actually figure it out and you can put forward a more likely scenario versus a less likely scenario between conflicting observations so let's treat just to begin with let's suppose you know that this is all correct and everything else if it is wrong we will find out sir karl popper says good tests kill bad theories we survive to guess again that's the method of science regarding formula theorems comments on interpolations a research institute in pune has already done that okay they have come up with a critical interpretation of that and not now it is you know decades old and although interpolation has been removed even then all these references remain yes Uh, Nilesh, uh, Nilesh, uh, Nilesh, uh, Nilesh. Excuse me, sir. According to sir your theory, is it uh, supposed to say that pole star is always in north in any name? Okay. Uh, is it constant? Okay. Well, I I just said the pole the pole star is not constant. That's what we discussed the whole precision of equinoxes business. We only discussed the pole star in the north direction. if we discuss the pole star in the south direction that's another long talk or few books on that you know agastya the canopus uh, also becomes a pole star but to answer your question no i'm i mean uh, i'm saying exactly opposite and i don't have to say it it exists which is the precession of equinoxes basically makes the point of north pole change so when it changes whatever is the distinct star next to it is considered a pole star in this 26000 year cycle may i so essentially uh, one king from the kosala dynasty a weak king also participates in the mahabharat war which which gives us some you know possible yeah so eventually that seems to disagree with the okay so let, let me repeat let me restate the question what is saying there are genealogies of kings for ikshvaku dynasty you know right starting from there there are what 24 30 40 uh different kings before ram and there are another 28 30 kings after ram to the time of uh say ram mahabharat now someone might say there are 28 you know there is not one list uh, i would encourage you to go and read my blogs i have given all different versions of it but so there are let's say let's take one there are 28 kings in the ikshvaku dynasty between ram and the time of mahabharat there was a king named brodbal brodbal who was killed by abhimanyu uh, during the mahabharat and brodbal was the descendant of ram so there are 28 uh, uh, generations and now the question can be raised i am saying 5561 and 12209 so it's like a 7000 years and only 28 kings again i will encourage you to read the blog what i have shown that is what i have shown is that there is a sufficient evidence that any of the list there are multiple list of ikshvaku dynasty any of the list is are not complete Not complete not only that if you put multiple list then the list starts growing because some of the kings mentioned here between two kings are not mentioned in that list and list keeps on growing and it becomes like a 64 and 80 and what not but still that list is not complete the evidence is telling us that maybe the prominent kings are only mentioned and to what professor gupta said uh, somewhere the knowledge was lost some ecological disasters and people somehow trying to put together the theory from the memory we can do a quick test one minute test okay um, uh, any volunteer 
any I, I just need one volunteer okay so uh, abitosh if you please stand up okay uh, in one minute you have to quickly list the names of all the prime ministers of india beginning with 1947 jawahar lal nehru uh, lal bahadur shastri uh, indira gandhi past um, morarji desai chandrashekhar uh, indira gandhi rajiv gandhi at did gets marker devagoda gujral vi atal vihari vajpayee narendra modi and manmohan singh okay thank you right okay vp singh i don't know if you mentioned vp singh okay choudhary choudhary charan singh chandrashekhar my point being we are thank you we are taking last 50 years of history so back to professor gupta's point if there was a ecological disaster lot of knowledge is lost i mean that happened why ecological disasters when some of our libraries were burnt what happened like people are trying to what we are doing i mean many of us are doing is trying to recollect that knowledge and put it back okay to the best of our ability it is happening now so if that has happened at that time they are doing their best but the number of names such such as these can be missed I mean, last 50 years, 60, 70 years, we are talking, and we can easily miss five, four, five names. Anyone? Yeah. I have heard somewhere in internet or somewhere, uh, like Arundhati and Vasist rotate in circular motion with respect to each other. Yeah. So is that true? According to your theory, I mean, uh, if Arundhati is moving, if, if this is center, and Arundhati is moving ahead of Vasist, and or Vasist is moving ahead of, if they are moving in circular motion to, I got it. I yep, got okay. it. Okay. okay, that is your question, right? Yep, yep. Okay, I'll just simplify it and said I have considered not just my opinion or anything. Every possible motion of Arundhati, Vasistha, their dual nature star—you just name it. Okay, and that doesn't affect anything here. That doesn't affect the conclusion. No, some there are some speculative motions. There is—I mean, people thought about it, then they take measurements. They say, "Ah, I don't have evidence," but it doesn't matter. I mean, none of those. The speculative or real motions the the what you call the dual nature of stars none of this affects what i stated here uh, yeah here hi uh, i just want i was curious about this uh, uh, population factor like when i read mahabharata it was mentioned that there was like 11 akshani sena with the kauravas and seven akshani sena with the pandavas and the number went into lakhs and like like was it really that much okay. people over there fighting and like still be existing okay let's let's begin with i mean because you know we talked about interpolation and what not but let's begin with that is the case okay whatever the number they state in mahabharat is the number what i did for arundhati vasistha or in the context of astronomy someone needs to do that for those numbers go to the uh, you know anthropology go to the genetics go to what happened what kind of evidence you get i mean i don't know the answer okay so i mean again what typically the scientific method does or science scientific work does is it's very conservative it doesn't want to go beyond what it has found and that's the right method you can speculate but you have to specifically say that this is a speculation so i don't have anything but my point is and again i'm not pointing at you but but there is no one out there i mean there are all these questions and if we need to discover and know more about it there are people like us who have to do it and all we need is a passion and it can happen um i'm moving away from the conversation but i think it's related to what you just answered cap an undergrad student and i'm interested in all of this 
but I actually don't have any clue how do I start it. Like uh, in the you know first slide or something you mentioned, like you just have to look for the problem and then yeah. solve it. So how do uh, how did you get into it and how do I go about it? Hmm. I'm interested in this. I think I'm passionate about it, but how do I start? Okay, um, I will answer in uh, with the two points. The first point is the very fact all of you came here today. You are participating into that. Okay. Someone asked Swatantrivir Savarkar after India won freedom in 1947. He said, what was the cause for our freedom? Was it the Satyagraha movement, you know, and various things. And Savarkar said, yes, the Satyagraha movement was responsible in some ways for our freedom. The, uh, what you call the Sutkatai was also responsible for in some way. The Krantikari, you know, the people who were fighting with them with the pistols and guns, they were also responsible for it and he also said number thousands and thousands of Indians who otherwise did not have any specific ability but when they were doing their everyday duties or when they were doing a puja in front of the deities they were also praying that let India win, win the freedom. All of them were responsible for the freedom that India won. So what happens there are certain people who are producing knowledge okay there are many I'm just one small person out of it and all of you can in, in principle be the producers of knowledge there is no reason why you cannot be but then there is a distribution of knowledge and when we are standing outside I mentioned suppose now you go with this kind of information start reading guys I mean that's one but then you have that information you get into a common discussion at your college school wherever and some people say something like this again you have to be convinced about it not because I say it but that Mahabharata is our history and Ramayana is history and someone says something what is your reaction? You let it go. Again, you don't have to pick a fight. But again, I, I gave a question and I'll give it to all of you. One simple question, anytime someone is just saying some mumbo jumbo, such vague statements, oh, it didn't happen. Ask the question, what makes you say that? 90% of the people will just stop in their tracks. They have no clue what they're saying. And let them say it and that's good if they come up with the data. This skepticism is good, I'm telling you. But you take certain that is skeptical skepticism like a Pushpak Viman or the multiple saris of Draupadi and so on. Again, I don't have a time, but I have done some work, but I don't want to discuss it today. You take something from that skeptical quadrant, the bottom left hand quadrant, and you work on it with determination, tenacity, and with some luck. Daivam Bhagavad Gita says. Okay? With some luck, you transfer that to the other quadrant, you make a revolution. Okay? You you make a revolution. It's it's not easy to understand right now that Arundhati Vasishta is a revolution. It's not easy to understand those four references are revolution. When people ask me, can you, can you tell me in short, what have you done? Do you know what I tell them? And I'm convinced about it. Is that I said what Kepler, Newton and Einstein has done to the, theory, the cosmology, I have done to Mahabharata and Ramayana. One question. Uh, Nilesh, there are two kinds of forces, uh, one who are uh, one who are making things and trying to prove that this was all mythology, Ramayana and Mahabharata. And then we find some evidence as well, as you said, that less likely scenarios and more likely scenarios, right? So a few years back, not too much old, so a few years back, there was an affidavit in the court as well that Rama was a myth. And then they changed it to Ram Setu was a myth. So now, since there are some evidences which 
have surfaced or you have worked on that there are other people who are working in uh, archaeology and other departments as well did any one of you try to uh, talk to the government so that if there was a government who said in the court that rama was a myth now we can say that we have some evidence okay since i am busy researching i want someone else to take that task okay but but i mean again you are pointing at me great but i'm saying guys there is no one out there so if somebody wants to talk to government try it if you think okay have you written a book on this try writing write one and you will know what it takes okay but to answer your question i'll just take that as an opportunity again this is how science works 12209 bc is my date or year for the ramayana war okay let's let's talk about the nala setu if you just look at the water level like sea level actually the sea levels with respect to the bottom of the ocean today is such that as if there is no water for the year 12209 i'm working with professor glen milne at ottawa number of you who have heard the name graham hancock have you read the books fingerprints of god he worked with him and i'm working with glen milne okay i asked him for various dates for the ocean levels and so on here is the problem I, i'm making it in a short way what happens is so if you go back 12209 and just assume the current bottom of the ocean between sri lanka and india the water goes down to such a level that there is no water i mean there is a land so where comes comes the question of anala setu you should ask me huh, once i tell you that what people don't know many of them don't, them don't know but there is a sufficient enormous evidence everywhere around the world is that when the sea level rises many times actually the bottom also rises for various reasons multiple geological reasons okay or sometimes just accumulation so you cannot just take oceanography go down and say where is the need for a ocean you need different kind of science i'll give you two of the theories that i have and i haven't worked much on that how many of you how many of you have played with silipati you know what that is a red color sand kind of thing right so you how many of you know just few of you okay so you just turn that into a ball you can just pull it as much as you want i'm a polymer scientist by the way you know and i work for general electric who made that silipati first time okay so i know what i'm talking okay anyway just that's a humor so if you take that and let's say imagine that's a two continents and you are pulling this if you start pulling slowly again it matters how you pull it if you pull fast it just breaks like a brittle fracture if you pull slowly it creates a long like a spaghetti kind of thing and goes down okay these are two behaviors consider the third a circular rubber band let's say it's sitting there because there is no stress between the two land masses and now let's say they are going away from each other if you start pulling the rubber band what will happen actually the middle rubber band will come up you follow what i'm saying this is a circular rubber band so i describe you three different viscoelastic plastoelastic behaviors we don't know when it happened why it happened what kind of behavior it was what kind of things were going between sri lanka india that landmass and when and where i mean we just we just don't know that so it needs a lot of research but these are the three things i have in the back of my mind you know to test if i could so uh, if i may take the liberty to go way off on a tangent uh, we spoke about the yugas so th there are contesting claims about yugas also some people say that we are currently uh, we happen to be in the dwapar yug there's a let, school let me stop you take a tangent but just get to the question because we discussed that get to the question if i need that i'll ask you 
Just say question. All right. Then, yeah. So I, I just wanted to ask you if there's really something to, the, to those calculations. I mean, there are two schools. One that says that we're currently in the Dwapar Yuga. One that says that we're in the Kali Yuga. So, so if you question, could just throw... So your question is, is there some truth to it? Right. You is could there. have just asked that. Right. Okay. I mean, I get these frequently asked questions. Okay. I'll, I'll answer in a couple of ways. First thing is, uh, I said Raja Kalasya Karnam. That could be one theory. The second theory could be, as what Professor Gupta said, the people are trying to put together civilizations, just like Western civilization talked about the Stone Age and a Copper Age and Bronze Age and Iron Age, could be something like this. Astronomical terms, there is also another uh, theory, not my theory, it's floating around for a while, which is, the, which is this. If you want to make accurate measurements of the sky, that is 360 degrees, okay? And you start dividing that. How many of you understand declination and right ascension? Just like x and a y axis, these are polar axis. Okay. So when you start measuring those, and if you want to measure that to the accuracy, more and more accuracy, you take those 360 degrees, starts dividing them into arc minutes, arc seconds, and sometimes even a half of the arc second. When you get into those numbers, what you will find is that 21,000, whatever number, 432,000, all that numbers that you hear as a long Kaliuga and multiplication of that is a multiple of that 360 degrees. Uh, how many of you know Panchang and within the, everyone knows Tithi, at least have heard about the Tithi? Yeah? How many of you know what is Karan? Karana, not the Karana of Mahabharata, in a Panchang. Karan is a half Tithi. When someone realized that a full tithi, full measurement of tithi is not sufficient, you need to go more precise. That's when the current came in. Similarly, you look at some of the astronomy measurements, how accurate they are. So when they were measuring it and if they needed a higher level of accuracy, if you go to Bhagavad Puran, the time definition, it goes below seconds like Trasarenu, Pranarenu, all the way to the point 0.000567 second. Unless there is a need for it, you may not go. I mean, what's the point of that exercise? Now, just because I said it doesn't mean I exactly know why they did it. I'm not saying that. But the fact there is a fraction, fraction, thousand and hundred millionth of a fraction of a second measurement exists and it is described in some ancient literature, it's something wor worthy of study. Does that answer your question? All right. Do you have any more questions? See, I answered all the questions. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.